ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So I'm just sitting there with my daughters and I'm like, like just all choked up. I, I'm actually crying. And they're like, they're like, oh, that's so, and first of all, it's just lovely to have daughters. They're so nice. It's so nice to me. They're like, oh, it's so, like, look at this. So cute. Dad's, dad's crying. Like what, like what, what, what is it? And just from the deep recesses, recesses of my mind for no reason at all, I just say, home. It's where you want to be, but I guess I'm already there. <laughs> and it just like, just broke me. Like I'm just <laughs> sobbing because the book is about this story. And that song somehow so perfectly captures this moment where it's like the place you live with the people you love is your home, but it takes a while for you to recognize that. 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. Simon, do you look like you're outside in sunny Berkeley, California? I'm sitting in my glorious driveway on a glorious Sunday, early, late morning, early afternoon. Um, I'm not out here just because I'm a nature lover. I have uh-huh. just cleaned out my garage and I'm guarding a giant pile of trash until yeah, I you, get it into the... You uh, actually think people will come along and start picking through your... People have already like walked by and looked up the driveway in gleeful anticipation of me huh. leaving so they could start going through it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. Ben Barton, how is uh, Knoxville, Tennessee today? Today is a beautiful, gorgeous day. The Vols won again yesterday, but I'm sad to report Uh-oh. I spent the entire weekend writing these memos that I do for midterms. So it's been a miserable, oh. miserable weekend for me. Um. That's where I'm at. So That's my a mid- headspace coming in. You gave a midterm exam. And, yeah. And now you have to process that for the students. Yeah. In between then and now, I did, like, in defense of uh, why I'm behind, I did go uh-huh. visit Jeff. So that was super That's fun. Right. Um, okay. But then we, I'm on the Dean Search Committee, and we did 19 45-minute Zoom interviews in wow. two days. Oh, my wow. God. It was what? just That's... like being beaten with a stick. I can't and even then believe I, that's I a finished that up statement. and then I had to do all the grading. So I'm, I'm at my wit's end. 19. Sure. I can't yes. we get it down to 10 before the Zoom interviews. 
The good news is we had a lot of good applicants. The bad okay. news is we did 19 interviews in two days. And <laughs> okay. I was like, got pretty punchy by the end, as you can imagine. I bet. Oh, man. Yeah. You must, were you just like, were you just like cracking jokes by guy number 17? Just like... Oh, dude. It's a much longer story about what happened in poor guy number 18. But it was a 45 minute interview. He, he blew through all the questions. He's basically we're leaving five minutes to the end. And my, my part is to say, if you have any questions, tell us now. He blows through all the questions in 25 minutes. So then there's another 20 minutes left in the interview. So I'm like, you have any questions for us? And he, out of nowhere, he asked an amazing question. Here's oh, this question. Good. Are you ready? He's like, I want to learn about your decision-making process. And I want to learn about the nature of the faculty. Tell me how you all make decisions. Tell me a story of when it worked well and a story of when it didn't work well. I was like, that's a deep, insightful yeah, question. That's good stuff. And I was like, we've got 20 minutes. And there was a long pause. I let my colleagues have a shot at it. Uh-huh. So then I just launched into <laughs> a 15-minute broadside on a time where it didn't work out and I was still mad about it. It was well oh done God. by me. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> it's so fantastic. You hit the you hit right up to the mark. That is terrific. Ah, oh, wow. Um well it's it's uh, beautiful in Asheville, North Carolina. Look. Oh, Timmy, still in the basement. Yeah. Still in the dank Asheville basement. <laughs> the dank you have Asheville. gotten out this morning, though. Tim and I talked earlier this morning when he was taking uh, one of the many uh, Hughes Plane progeny to Driver's Ed. Driver's Ed today. Rock on, um, fun city. Ben, you'll love the uh, driver instructor told Patrick to just go ahead and get on the highway, and they drove to Tennessee. Nice! <laughs> His second time in a car. He's on the highway. Dude, that stretch of 40 is a yeah. little bit scary. It's a little scary. He had trucks blast, passing him. Did he blast Rocky Top at full volume on the, I, on the I don't, radio I don't at the same time? He did. All right, but let's get going. We've got a beautiful Sunday afternoon here, uh, but we have to get our minds wrapped around 1984 when uh, I was starting high school and you guys were sophomores, right? Yep. Sophomore year, 84, 85. End of freshman year, beginning of sophomore year. Well, we already know what the best-selling album is of 1984. It is, of course, Thriller by Michael Jackson. Uh, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. We start with the Grammy winner. Um, yeah. Jeff Simons, Off the Top Rope, with one of the most passionate love songs uh, I remember from my youth. It's the Grammy winner. Can't Slow Down by Lionel Richie. <laughs> oh, man, this hurts my feelings. <laughs> I've been alone with you inside my mind. Super creepy. <laughs> and in my dreams, I've kissed your lips a thousand times. That made me so happy a caterpillar arrive? What is going on? Here it comes. Hang in there. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? Oh dear. Okay. I can see it in your eyes. Wow. Don't worry. There's only four minutes and fifty-eight <laughs> seconds left of that song. Is it that long? Yeah, it's a long one. Can't <laughs> slow down with a song like that. Because if you yeah. get any slower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, misnamed record. Oh, I can slow down a plenty. <laughs> this, 
this to me is really it's like exhibit 1A of the production sound of this time. As an Adele like piano ballad, this song's okay. It's not great, but it's fine. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yeah. But it's the production just <laughs> makes it so hideous. I mean, you're out on the cheesy keyboard side, and then the weird noises that come along with it are just brutal. Brutal. Fits with the um the very artsy video. Yeah. Uh, worst video ever made. Worst. Uh, what is his name? Henry Brown, the guy who wrote for Grantland and for. Uh, uh-huh. Rembert, yeah. Rembert Brown, yeah. Wrote, wrote the, has written the definitive essay on this video, but it oh, was right. already exhibit A for toxic masculinity and everything you can do wrong as a male authority figure. I mean, it's just so yeah, unacceptable. Yeah, because Lionel the teacher, is he? No, not? he's the teacher and she's the student and oh. she's blind and she uh, makes a bust <laughs> of his face out of clay from feeling his face. The best point, though, is like, <laughs> He's silently watching her like sculpt his face into clay. And when he gets to hello, he grabs her hands and screams hello. And she doesn't, (laughs) she doesn't do what she would do in real life, which is flinch and go, Jesus Christ. (laughs) That makes me. That made me laugh when I was 12 watching this video. It's a bad look. It really is. First of is. all, Jeff, it's obvious that she smelled him coming. You know what I mean? She <laughs> yeah, knew where yeah. it was. Her other senses are very heightened. <laughs> all right. Welcome to 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, part of the Drive-In Podcast Network. So go to musiccitydrivein.com for all your podcasting needs. Guys, there's a new podcast in the family. In the driving podcast family. Yeah, I heard. What do you, What do you know? What do you What can you tell us? I saw that announcement. It, it's It's the only professional wrestling podcast I know of. I'm sure there are others, but now we got one in the uh, in the stable. That is great. So I'm sure they're going to do a a special on Jimmy Superfly Snooka. Well, our boy Ricky would know. You know, he That's would be right. the expert I would trust. The former wrestler himself. He's going to know who to pick for that podcast. That's, That's awesome. Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, all right, let's move on to 1984 proper. So what do you think of this big brother government, huh? <laughs> uh, that was a great joke. I really sorry. like that. That really that took a second for me. Go Oceania. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, wrong. I got my notes jumbled here. How much does it bum you guys out that that 1984 and Animal Farm are now like poisonous texts that you can't discuss in politics because everyone claims them for their own and it's like a symptom of what's destroyed? It's just yeah, breaks my heart. They both they both claim them. We know everybody claims them, and 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 in really bad, sad ways. It just doesn't work out for me at all. You know what's (laughs) interesting about though? I read this. I don't remember who wrote it. Somebody in the New Yorker wrote. I think it was in, maybe in 2004, he, they were writing about, you know, every, every 04, they bring 1984 up and like, are we there yet? But he wrote this fantastic piece that, and you guys probably already put this together, but Orwell's big blind spot is he thought capitalism had no chance. Like he didn't pay any attention to America. He didn't pay any attention to capitalism as a potential organizing principle for 
society. He was like, well, that'll last like a year. It's either totalitarianism or, you know, I mean, it, it, and when I reread 1984 through that lens of, of giving capitalism no stake or no thought, it's really problematic. Like it's, huh. it's hilarious as you get to some of these moments, you're, you're like, well, you know what? A free market really would have prevented that. And you know, so I, I, I am, uh, huh. I'm less sad that 1984 has uh, become antiquated. I do think Animal Farm is a, uh, a remarkable little novella, you know. And I'm sad that you can't really teach that anymore, but. I teach it, uh, but it's called <laughs> Charlotte's Web. It's <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh my God. Yeah, no, I teach, my version is called Sean the Sheep. Every time I watch <laughs> Sean the Sheep with my daughters, I imagine a moment where they like put him in a van and take yeah. him to the glue factory and everything goes really dark, really fast, you know? Uh, that would be awesome. <laughs> so in 1984, uh, the best picture is what? What wins the Oscar for best picture? Is this the Reds year? It is no, it's not. Just, it's earlier than that. Is it the last Emperor's year? It is Terms of Endearment. Oh, okay. good one. I don't know if you guys are going to get this right away. It took me a second. Who was the host of the Oscars in 1984? I have no idea. Like, zero idea. Ben? I mean, is it still like in the Bob Hope era, or where it is are we? Johnny Carson, who was Carson. An excellent, excellent yeah. host of the Oscars. Um, the TED conference is founded. Ideas worth spreading all the way back in 1984, which I did not know. Right, the first I didn't TED know talk. That. Um, if you could give a TED talk, like legitimately, don't be funny, but in your heart of hearts, <laughs> if you could funny. get out there and give a TED talk. What would you go with? What would be your TED talk? This is my TED talk. This is my weekly TED talk. This is probably the only information I have of just value. Take, take what I said about REM and just boom, there you go. I have got a really, really tight, well-constructed 12 minutes on my bowels. And I think that that's what I would focus on. <laughs> I've done a longitudinal study and I've got a lot of wisdom to share. How about you, Tim? And you said bowels, did you? Yeah. Bowels. Um, well, I, now I don't have a funny answer. I was going to go serious. You can go serious, Wait. brother. Thank you. I'd like to do a TED Talk um, talking about Mark Twain's construction of Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, uh, along with Winslow Homer's uh, painting career. Bring those two things together. Right, because then you got art good. images, so it's not just people looking at me. They don't want that. I like it. All right, all right. I will, <laughs> I will tweet at the TED people and see what they. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like bowels. Whoa, say more. Um, ben, ben has slides and video for that too. It's just of a totally <laughs> different nature. <laughs> so. <laughs> The, uh, the video game Tetris debuts in 1984. Have any of you spent any time playing Tetris? Oh, there was a Tetris game. Like the video game Tetris was in yeah. the um, basement lounge at Haverford. And there was always like a free night every couple of months where they turned all the machines to free. Wow. And I definitely tore the Tetris. I mean, I'm not good. Like as soon as it got even remotely fast, it was like boink, 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 done. But it uh, ends quickly. I imagine Ben was probably pretty good at it. No, no, no. India Can Cannon oh. is the Tetris champ. 
For is that right? Sure. Yeah. The, whatever the Tetris that came free with the computer on, there was yeah. like a, a nine month period where she went into a little bit of a sinkhole there. <laughs> kind of had to be dragged out. <laughs> but that's great because when you think about public policy and how all it's the all just fitting it together, Timmy, fit together, you got, yeah. Huh. I used to I used to play it at my brother-in-law's house, but I knew it was becoming addictive. So I'd be like, okay, I'll just play one more song and then I'll stop. And I would always choose um Traffic's The Low Spark of High Heeled Boys. 12 minutes. <laughs> really awesome. Drunk. Did you guys ever play clacks, the like three-dimensional Tetris where the, they come flipping down and you have to put them into into uh, columns at the bottom? Oh, that that game terrible. broke my brain. Yeah. I was so bad at it. Um, yeah, that sounds rough. K-L-A-X, I think it was called. They All had right. It. They had it at Haverford. We usually at this point go to the best-selling album of the year, but we already know that is Thriller. However, I'm really interested in what Ben's going to say about this. For the albums that were actually released in 84, debuted in 1984, what is the greatest-selling album that comes out of that particular year? I was really firm on my pick this year, so I didn't need to do any research at all. I, I just can't. I have no clue. Is, okay. I mean, did Halo's 1984 come out this year? It's not that. Yeah, it's not that. Uh, so, a, I'll give it. The hint is it's a compilation record. Is it a soundtrack? Just tell me. Not so, a soundtrack. Well, it's a greatest, great, it's a greatest hits. It's, uh, so it's not Born in the USA by Bruce. It's not Purple Rain by Prince. It's not uh, Madonna. Which one? Which Madonna came out, Jeff? Like a virgin. Nile like Rodgers' ascendance to greatness. Nor is last it week. Footloose, which is one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. It's the greatest uh, sell. It's the second greatest selling, greatest tits record of all time. Behind the Eagles. Is it? Wow. All right. Just give him, give him some notes, Jeff. Uh, it's a record where you know every song to the point where you never want to hear any of the songs again, even though they're outstanding. And it's the Wait, one of the two. I said, give him notes, like play a song. No, no, I have. I, it's also one of the two cassettes everyone came to college with that they bought in high school because they were supposed to. That's actually true. Yeah. Is it legend? Yeah, it is legend. That is correct. Very good. That's the second best-selling greatest hits record of all time. That I is believe, freaking I, insane. There are moments when it's in the. It's one of the all-time. I mean, it's in the top three of all time. It sells worldwide. It it's going to eventually be number one. Like it's it just it's keeps selling going. at a rate that's astonishing compared to all of its competitors. So it, within really? a matter of like five years, it'll be the best selling record in the history of planet Earth. Now, this is going to be awkward. Was that actually your pick for this year, Ben? <laughs> yeah, nice try. <laughs> all right. Also in 1984, Jeopardy begins. Who was the original host of the Jeopardy? game show it was alex trebek i don't i don't know why I what are you doing <laughs> that was great timmy thank you sorry that's just mean uh and who vanessa, is alex trebek vanessa williams resigns <laughs> as miss america boy uh, that's hard to imagine that that scandal was enough to lose miss america what would you have to do now to, to uh, lose your miss america crown like what video footage would they have to have yeah you you'd have it. to do more than that right oh yes yes because because what she did um was nothing that melania trump didn't do and she became first lady indeed 
uncalled for to me. That was just <laughs> shot across the bow of our, our good Slovenian friend, Melania. <laughs> true. It was, it's true. just that was it. artsy nudes. That's, you know, a little risque at times. Artsy nudes. <laughs> it's actually the... The title of my autobiography. No, all oh, right. My. Um, that should be your TED talk. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, Tim, Plain, Tim Plain's world of artsy nudes. <laughs> so, uh, Ben Barton, Nina, our, our Twitter follow. Yeah, she is just awesome. She's she's well behind in the podcast listening. But she's I gonna catch up, and she wants to guest. So get ready, strap well, in, boys. We're gonna have some Nina on here. I'm a little. I'm a little nervous about this because she's begun. She's a spicy one. She's begun giving me topics to slip in and they're good, which really makes me sad. So it's like topic for the host to slip in when, why, and how to cover succeed the original. And like all of her suggestions that she keeps coming up with uh, overshadow, you know, my 1984 joke. So I'm a little, a little, what is it? Are you worried that you're going to be replaced? I am Are we going to boot worried. you and it's going to be Nina? Off the top of your head, what's, what's a cover that uh, does the original? Go. Janis Joplin. Which Janis me, Joplin? Me and Bobby McGee. Me and Bobby McGee better than Chris Christopherson. Ben? Yes. That is hard. Let me think for a second. Uh, Aretha Franklin, respect. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good one. And then uh, all along the Watchtower, Hendrix is over oh, Dylan. That's a great yeah. one. Yeah, I have a Pick one that, that you guys should just disagree with, so that'll make yeah. you happy. Hit it. I prefer the Stones' "Ain't Too Proud to, Proud to Beg." The nineteen seventy four Stones cover of "Ain't Too Proud to Beg." Huh. I just freaking love that version of it. So good. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I don't know if uh, I can say that. No, I know. I, that was a spicy one. Uh, original. That. Uh, sorry, a cover that woefully failed. Uh, this is not one that woefully failed, but I was thinking about this because of the Stevie Ray Vaughan stuff from last week. Uh-huh. So Stevie Ray Vaughan does a cover of Superstitious. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a pretty good cover. It's not terrible. Jeff, have you seen the video of Stevie Ray Vaughan and Stevie Wonder and the members of Salt and Peppa and <laughs> one other random woman doing oh, no, superstitious wow no i have not you won't believe it i've got to recommend it it's amazing <laughs> so it starts out and stevie's doing the the keyboard part on the guitar and you're like this could be good and then okay. stevie starts singing and you're like well this is weird why would you let stevie ray vaughn sing when stevie wonder is next to him but that strikes me as bad management but you're okay. like okay whatever then Stevie Wonder takes a turn and you're like, okay, this, this is fine. It's a really, really, really bad, poppy, cheesy version of it. Um, and then they start letting the salt and pepper people and other people take verses. You're like, what is going on? <laughs> and then every once in a while, they'll pan back out and see very modest, like, I don't even know what's happening. I have no <laughs> idea why I'm here. Is there a bag of money somewhere? What am how I doing this, here? How did this happen? Um, I would, you know, wow. I don't remember the name of the band. Does anybody remember the name of the horrible '90s new metal band that covered "Smooth Criminal" by Michael Jackson? Oh, uh, Ant, Ant Farm, Alien Ant Farm, Alien, Alien Ant, Ant Farm. Farm. That, yep, that I think that's it. I really thought yeah, that good stuff. for them for covering it. I though. disagree. That's, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I'm happy for them. I thought that sucked. So All right. Go. 
Well, let's get on to our three albums. Our three albums. Jeff Simons, you go first. All right. I I am going with my weirdest pick Uh to date. Uh, Oh, boy. Indian Cannon. Put on the seatbelt, babe. Dude, India, play, everybody, play Tetris. especially Ben, especially Ben. So, oh, I'm by the way, when, when you did, when you, you you finally chose an REM record, but you chose the first REM record, and he was like, well, she doing? And, and why did you sing, why did you choose that song? She said, why didn't you choose one of the later records with good songs? And I was like, oh, well, that record's okay. It's got, it's got ready for Europe on it. She's like, wait, that was on that record? And you chose that catapult song? I was, <laughs> I was, a, I was on purpose, I'm just saying. Way. I'm just saying. You well, continue this, to hurt India Kincaid's feelings. Well, this is going to crush everybody's feelings. Oh no! Um, so, but this is good. This is actually, I think, the most underrated record of the '80s. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think this record is better than anybody except a very small, weird group of us who have found each other on the internet. It's actually one of those records. When I meet other musicians who I respect, I try to slip it into conversation. And they almost always go, oh, my God. Right. For example, huh. I brought this record up on Twitter about six months ago. And our wonderful guest, Michael Jorgensen from uh, from Wilco, immediately tweeted me back, like, love that record. Couldn't agree more. So, wow. Huh. Having said that, uh, Ben's 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 literally going to split in half and start melting when I make the case for this record. It's going to be great. So Ben has already made it clear that 80s keyboards are the worst. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. They, they sound oh so antiquated that Yamaha DX7 sound oh, it's, is just I know awful. who it is. Yeah, you know who it is. I do. Um, I think I'm getting a glimmer too. And this guy, <laughs> this guy is the probably the, the king of the 80s keyboard in the sense that his work as a session musician before he even starts a solo career starts the whole thing. He's the keyboard player on Foreigner 4. He's oh. the guy who programmed all the sounds on Urgent and all those things. His one song that everybody knows is a classic one-hit wonder. In fact, it might be the classic one-hit wonder. Like bigger than, better than 99 Red Balloons. I mean, like, there's a lot of great one-hit wonders from there. Better than always something there to remind me, or Kaja Gugu's too shy. Like, yeah, I, can, I connected a safety dance. Like, that's another one-hit wonder. Safety dance, right? Also fabulous. Anyway, the guy's name is Thomas Dolby, and everybody knows him for "She Blinded Me with Science" from 1983. She blinded um, me. It's a funny video. It's a funny song. It's silly. It's ridiculous. The interesting thing is that if you actually bother to buy the record. <laughs> that she blinded me with sciences on, which of course I did. It's called The Golden Age of Wireless. And there's actually three or four sneakily great songs on it, like really well-written songs, really well-sung, really thoughtful lyrics. I will say it is a, it's an example of a guy who really understands how to program a Fairlight synthesizer using all the stuff. We just listened to Hello and there's that little caterpillar, right? This was the moment where everybody was playing with that toy and trying to come up with weird sounds. Dolby has this one hit, you know, he goes top five, and he, so he can do anything he wants with the second record, right? The record company's like, great, hey, make, let's have She Blinded Me With Science too. let's ride this gravy train until you're done. But the thing about Thomas Dolby is he's actually a really excellent musician. He's a classically trained piano player. He's a genius uh, 
um, engineer. Like he actually understands all this material. And now he's got a big bag of money from the record company. And the thing I love about his second record, which is what I'm going to choose as the best record of 1984, is rather than chase you know, a big hit record, he makes the one record he knows he's going to get to make and probably never get to make again. He takes all of the short-term capital he has with Capitol Records, with his audience, and he makes a cinematic, fascinating, super challenging record called The Flat Earth. Everybody I know who has who listens to The Flat Earth three or four times loves it. But I understand why most people haven't, right? Um, the first side is three songs. They're each six minutes long. They're, they have these big, long wow. intros and outros. There's zero attempt here to write a hit single, but they are th they are all beautiful songs. I'm going to choose the title track to play a minute from. Um, and it's an incredible example of Dolby using all of this stuff, not as toys, but as interesting backdrops for a absolutely beautifully made record. The Flat Earth, the first three songs, they, they're all songs about disengagement right they're about the first song dissidents is about being you know having to go underground to have your point of view the second song the flat earth is about feeling disconnected from from society in general and not knowing what to do with this the kind of sense of of um feeling obsolete in a modern world screen kiss is an old hollywood murder story set in the hollywood hills like these songs are are intentionally uh, meant to be lost in. Um, and Dolby, because he's a great piano player and because he has great taste in other instruments, like the guitar parts in these songs are beautiful and well played. The bass playing on this record, like the it, on, on all of these first three songs is amazing. Um, and, and this is one of those things where like it was an LP, right? Like I listened to side one over and over and over and over and over. And over. I didn't flip over to side two for like three months when I first bought it. Um, and I also, the flat earth just happened to capture the guys I was playing in a band with, right? Like my high school band and I, we all fell for this record. We all listened to it all through high school. We were constantly putting it on at parties. Um, and so I know, you know, so our friends got to know it. Like it's just been, it was a big part of my life. I know this record as well as any record in my collection, every little wow. tiny flip and blur. That's a bold statement. Yeah, I do. But I mean, I know this, I this is a record that I'm just like, like weirdly familiar with. So I'm going to play you the first verse and chorus of the flat earth. This is actually uh, almost two minutes into the track. The track starts really slowly with this kind of ambient bass. There's no sense of where the beat is. And he starts introducing all these weird sounds that become once the rhythm is established. And once he starts singing, these sounds are all counterpoints to the band's performance. So it's, it's again, it's this guy who understands I, I, I have this huge tapestry that this technology offers me and I'm just going to fill it with sounds in and out in and about. Um, this is not a record that um, you would ever find intentionally, right? This is one of those records where people have to be like, give this record a chance and you might not and you might not get past be able to get past the 80s in the suburb. But I think of all the keyboard records of the 80s, of all the like records you could put on where you're like well that's mid 80s this is the one that transcends it's the sound of its moment and is as ben said last week 
about Let's Dance. This is this is capital A art. Here's a minute of Thomas Dolby's The Flat Earth. The Flat Earth by Thomas Dolby. He's playing everything. All those sounds are his. I think there's a guitar player um, that helps him out with that uh, kind of uh, South African uh, yeah, Graceland yeah, yeah. thing, um, which, by the way, predates Paul Simon's Graceland by a year. Um, okay. But I just love like he's a killer singer. These are on all those sounds like that. Boom. Like. It's all in time. Once you listen to the song three or four times, it, it works as a part. It's not just like, it sounds like noise the first time, then you realize he's got it in the groove. It's a really challenging record. There's a song in 10-8 on side two um, where the only percussion is the sound of crickets. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's an art record. And I, but I really respect that this guy, rather than try to become like, an 80s pop icon took this moment ran with it made the record of his life and it killed his career i mean it just this record came out it sold one tenth of the last one the record company cut his promotional budget in in half for the third record uh and he went he just walked away he was like well screw it then and he became a producer and he became an engineer um where is he now exactly well, funnily enough, he's in Baltimore, Maryland these days, or he was huh. for a while. He, my friend uh, Mike was in a poker game with him a couple of times, but huh. uh, he is—he uh, continues to make music every once in a while. He does solo shows now where he he does all these songs and he's programmed all the stuff and he's playing live and he's got all these things going on behind him. I saw Thomas Dolby live at the 930 Club in 1988. He was, had a full eight-piece live band and he did all all the best songs from his first three records without any uh, backing tracks, without any uh, um, tapes. They were unbelievably great. And it was like a club that hold like 300 people. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They just tore the roof down. But it just, you know, this record uh, pushed him into the fringes of pop culture. But this record endures in ways that most stuff from the 80s don't. Um, I love this record. 
I recommend it unreservedly. And awesome. it's my it's my total left field bizarro pick for 1984. Awesome. And I'm just gonna keep cutting Ben's mic so he doesn't weigh in at all. No, no, go, buddy, go. <laughs> I've set I've teed him up. <laughs> Everything Ben hates about the 80s is embodied by this guy. And I still think this record's fantastic. So I will mute myself. <laughs> he should turn off his sound. Oh, wait, he really is muted. He really is. <laughs> oh, no, I did. I muted myself. Uh, anyhow, I thought it was going to be a Minutemen thing, right? But yeah, I guess you chose them last time. And that, that would not yeah. have pleased India. This at least is like more melodic, so that'll please her. Um, I just can't. In this one, bless Jeff's heart. I gave it a try. Did you? I listened to this, but I did not listen to the cricket song. But that there were crickets for me after the first song. I was like, oh, this <laughs> is not working out for me at all. And this will hurt Jeff's feelings, but I'm with the freaking record company. When he turns this album in, they're like, it's not she bonding me the geography. Like, hello, <laughs> McFly, wake up. Like, we asked you to do one thing. It's not hard. Like, how many more of those could he have put out? She blinded me this taxonomy. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, oh, yeah, I know. there's a lot of things that are blinding. You know what I mean? <laughs> he could have yeah, been man, like, he been like the weird the... Al Yankovic of the 80s in some way, like just parodying himself. And like, you're totally right. But yeah. Uh, um, I, I, I can't get over any of those sounds. I don't like those sounds. Do you, um, is this in David Gray's neighborhood? Like British guy working on sounds by himself, putting out the album he wants? No, ben can, because Ben couldn't stand that either. No, that one at least was the genre I like. Keyboard, I mean, <laughs> believe me, six minute art keyboard record. I'm like, hey, wow. Yeah, not okay. a thing. <laughs> All of these things I don't like. No, I know. It's like, it's it's almost like I, I pulled everything out of a blend, like everything Ben hates and put it in a blender. And it was like, you should drink <laughs> this. <laughs> He said, I don't no. I don't have any illusions that I'm winning Ben over, but maybe some of our fair listeners. Well, who are, I am uh, going to give it a try. I have never listened to the Flat Earth. Um, I would love to have met Thomas Dolby in a in a poker game. I think that would be hilarious. Apparently, um, he's not to be trifled with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, good stuff. Listeners, you can uh, come at us on Twitter about our picks and see what you think of uh, the Flat Earth. Ben Barton, it is over to you. So um, I'm going to tell a story of discovery and then loss and then rediscovery. So in 1984, you mentioned it's my sophomore year in high school. And it's like, remember last year, literally last year, my favorite album was a fixed album. So my musical taste was a little Which, spotty. By the way. Like, Little have you spot. listened to that, that, those records? There's some, there's some noises on that shit oh, as well. Oh, for sure. Okay. For sure. <laughs> music tastes a little spotty. My musical taste is starting to get better. My taste in movies is starting to get better. Like, it's not, I would be strong to call me like a Brooklyn hipster, but I'm like coming around a little bit. In this year, the movie and the soundtrack, Stop Making Sense, come out. And I had not been a Talking Heads person. I basically like, first of all, they came out when I was little. Um, but second, even speaking in tongues, I was like, nah, you know, it's okay. This album and this movie blew my mind how good it was. So the band takes three years off before speaking in tongues. And they've already put out a live album, which I'm sure Jeff likes that. I just don't care for it. So 
double live album and it's not their best material. The, the single album version of Stop Making Sense is the world's greatest, greatest hits record. It's so much better than their greatest hits record because it doesn't include any stuff that came after this album. It's fantastic. And the reason <laughs> why it's, it's fantastic is pretty clear. Um, so um, it's Jonathan Demme is the director and he's like got a really weird career up until now. He starts out in the, I think it's Harvey Corman. He starts out in the Corman school where he's like creating these... Um, it's just creating these movies one after another, bang, 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 through the 70s, so like these exploitation movies with no budget at all. Then he does two or three art movies, including one that gets some buzz in 1980. And he gets to be buddies with David Byrne and the Talking Heads guys. So he's like, we should do a concert movie, but not a regular concert movie. And they're like, yes, that's what we should do. And he's like, no one will give us money to do this. And they're like, no one has to give us money. We'll, we'll front the money for the movie so they put wow. a million and a half bucks of their own money i think they do i don't know it's like four or five straight nights at the hollywood bowl and they let demi record it and it's awesome for a non-commercial band and a super weird and artsy band they choose an artsy director but you can tell they don't want to screw up like it's an amazing performance and a beautiful visual performance and just spectacular all the way along they only choose good songs except for the one Tom Tom Club song, which maybe Jeff likes, but I hated the Tom Tom Club and that song sucks. Um, other than that, it's every good song they have, period. And I mean, it's like, and I, I would imagine that if you saw Talking Heads during this period and the previous live record reflects this, that wasn't what their shows were like. I'm sure they were like, well, we play some weird stuff to annoy you because we're the Talking Heads. But for the movie, they were like, nope, just nothing, one banger after another and amazing rearranged spectacular versions of it comes out in psycho killer by himself with a drum machine the rest of the band slowly joins him on stage it's just absolutely incredible i didn't like this record i loved this record this will be i guess i can't remember if i did acdc but this will be the first time that i'm choosing a record from the year where that was my favorite record of that year i wore this record out and i'm super sad to report the very next year, they put out an awful piece of crap oh, that no. I hated. Yeah. Oh, creatures. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it broke my heart to the point where, and I'm a, I can be a small and vengeful person where I was like, not only do I not like little creatures, I don't like them. Like, I don't even like <laughs> stop making sense anymore. Little Creatures is this hideous keyboard record that sounds like crap and the songs are bad. And now I'm just out on this band altogether. So that's the loss that I suffered. I just lost this band, period. I go for a long time. I hadn't listened to Stop Making Sense since 1985. I mean, you couldn't, you would hear it at, at parties or whatever, but sure. I mean, I had I completely eliminated it. I never bought the CD. Like, I just had the single record. I'm reading to my daughters. Okay, so first, I think I, pre I hopefully I previously mentioned this. Like, uh, if and when you have children small enough to sit still for you to read, read to them. It's the greatest. I can't recommend yep. it highly enough. Not only is it like an amazing bonding thing for me personally, and I'll be super curious as other teachers, if you agree with this, such good professional training. Like if you're going to do any public speaking at all, read the children. They, especially like a two-year-old, they don't have no politeness at all. Yeah. They're like, you they'll suck let, at this, I'm out. They'll let you have it. <laughs> but they're actively bored right in front of you. You can't do it. Like, so you got to do the, like, you got to get the cadence to it, right? You got to get the voices, right? Like if you can't entertain a kid reading Dr. Seuss, 
do it until you can. Like it's a skill and practice helps with the skill. So I freaking loved it. Any chance, any, and still like if I'm visiting with my nieces or nephews or whatever, any kid will stand still in front of me. I'm like, let's, like, let's get this book out. Let's do this thing. Anyhow. Can I just get, add a caveat? Yeah, Choose please. your Dr. Seuss wisely. Oh if, yeah. If, if you're good at it, you will find yourself reading Bartholomew and the Ooblick every night. And that takes almost an hour to get through. <laughs> and you will fall asleep. Like three quarters of the way through the book. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to do the Mulberry Street thing, which just got the unfortunate stereotypes. No, no, no. Um, I don't, but, you know, yeah. whatever. But then Scrambled Egg Super is also like a good 47 minute event. Like oh, golly. Of, yeah. Some of those Dr. Seuss, like he no. just keeps collecting eggs for like 70 pages. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in the really, really beautiful period where we're transitioning out of picture books and moving into chapter books. And again, I just strongly recommend that period. So fun. Um, our, my personal favorite one of those was Watership Down. Like that one just crushed okay. the girls. And I love that book. Oh, fantastic. Angry rabbits attacking each other. Can't do better. Um, <laughs> but this particular book, and this is funny. I've recommended other people and their miles will vary. So this may just be a Ben Barton, like sentimental favorite, but it's Kate DeCamillo's um, oh, Mercy Miraculous oh. Journey of Edward Tulane. So okay. Edward Tulane is about a clay, a really pretty clay bunny. And he has a has an owner who loves him, but he doesn't appreciate her. And then he gets sold. And then it takes him on this travel through these various different settings with him, where a lot of bad things happen to him and he gets broken and his life kind of gets messed up. And I'm gonna like I'm starting to get choked up. Oh. It ends where he gets repaired and then he gets given back through like a thrift shop to his original owner and like the last page like he's learned this lesson a beautiful lesson about life and he's gone home so i'm just sitting there with my daughters and i'm like like just all choked up i'm actually crying and they're like they're like oh it's, it's so and first of all it's just lovely to have daughters they're so nice it's so nice to me they're like oh it's so, like look at this so cute dad's dad's crying like what like what what, what is it and just from the deep recesses of my mind for no reason at all, I just say, home, it's where you want to be, but I guess I'm already there. <laughs> and it just like, just broke me. Like I'm just <laughs> sobbing because the book is about this story and that song somehow so perfectly captures this moment where it's like, the place you live with the people you love is your home, but it takes a while for you to recognize that. You know mm, what I mean? Like you sort yeah. of have to accept that and understand that. And then when you do, it's just so overwhelming. Um, went back, re-listened to Stop Making Sense. Couldn't put it down. I love that song. I love the performance of the song. I love the movie. Stop Making Sense, The Talking Heads. Whole, uh, this will be the place, Naive Melody, right? That's what it's called? That's the action play movement? Yep. Let's reset it.
I've got a weird trivia question for you. What are the three best-selling Talking Heads albums in order? Ooh, uh, I'm going to guess Little Creatures is number one. I'm going to guess that Speaking in Tongues is number two. And uh, I might put this one at number three. But I'm afraid it's True Stories, which will really break my heart. No, no, True Stories is like 650 cop, 650,000 copies. So you got it right, but you got the order wrong. Stop making sense is the best-selling album. How about that? Right. 2.6 million, and then Little Little Creatures is just behind it at 2.5, and then um, Speaking in Tongues just behind it at 2.3. And the thing that really, I was really surprised by that, because first I thought that um, Little Creatures sold like a jillion. Like yeah, you would think, like, God, it was right. in, inescapable on the radio for yeah. a year. Yeah. Um, and I also thought like I had this story in my head about them selling out and how, how painful it was for me and what a pain in the ass it was, but it's actually like, it's kind of the opposite. It's like, they put out this really, really commercial record that didn't sell, and it didn't <laughs> outsell their best album. It's just a little bit weird That's good. in that way, for sure. That is um, so interesting. But yeah, no, again, the, of the ver various reasons to choose a live album, this hits all of the sweet spots. It's every good song they ever wrote, period. It's amazing versions of every good song they ever wrote, period, including like reorganized, rearranged, super interesting takes on it. And the way they put it, to, like the actual set list, when you watch the whole movie, it's like, it's weirdly powerful how they layer it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not like a typical concert where it's just like they, they play a great song at the beginning, a couple of songs in the middle, and then a couple yeah. of great songs at the end. Like, it's thematic all the way through it. And then the music and then the filming of it, like everything about it just comes together into this amazing artistic statement. Yeah, it's great. Totally agree. Um, I do love that other live record, especially the second disc, which has, of course, the the Adrian Ballou version of Talking Heads, which I talked into the ground the last time we did this exercise. This is a great band. Here's a trivia question. The three background singers on uh, in the Stop Making Sense band right. gra graduated to this tour from what other gigantic tour that ended in 1984? You're the best man. Tell us. I love this. They were the backing singers that went on tour with the police on the Synchronicity tour. Dolette nice. McDonald and her oh. friends. Same, same set of uh, singers. Oh, that's um, I saw this movie with, with uh, a young Ben Barton. Do you remember when we went and saw this together? I do not. We saw we it went at the Retro House? At the Tiburon Art House Theater. They were doing nice. a one night only. And we went and saw it. And they had an original 16 millimeter print. And they turned it up incredibly loud. It was so great. It's the only time I've ever seen it on the big screen. Yeah, that's awesome. The only other movie we saw at that theater together was Bad Lieutenant. Oh, I remember that one well, too. <laughs> Where when we bought the tickets, the guy was like, just so I'm clear, there's no refunds. We oh, were God. like, what? He's like, if you walk out after five minutes and ask for your money back, I can't give it to you. <laughs> I remember returning to you. I'm like, this is such a sign that we are throwing our money away. And you're like, no, no, Harvey, catch up. It'll be good. It'll yeah. be good. No, I uh, thought it was great. We, we left. Jeff was disgusted. It's a disgusting, super ultraviolet movie. And I was like, what are you talking about? The name is Bad Lieutenant. Was he good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> told us, told us really exactly was, what it was. It really was the best, best named movie of that year. If it had been called Really Bad Naked, you know, Nun Raping Lieutenant, then we really would have had all the information we needed in the title.
So I love, I love it. I love this record. I love this band. Uh, Talking Heads is, is, you know, Talking Heads studio records are frequently make the top four or five list of 80s records. But Ben is 100% right. Like this band, this band's two live records are its best two records. I prefer the name of this band is Talking Heads and Stop Making Sense to everything else in their catalog. And it's not even close. What a great live band. And what a shame that they cannot get along and, and, uh, get back together and play these songs live again. It's such a bummer. Like yeah. if there's any eighties band that I would pay a lot of money to see, do this all again live. It would be these guys. It'd be really fun. That, that song home. Uh, I, I remember Jeff Simons. It became my favorite talking head song uh, because of your rock and roll class. Cause when I was oh, no visiting way. you one time, I went and I believe it was a young Matt Jaffe. It was a young Matt playing, Jaffe singing this song. Playing that song in your class up on the upper campus there. And I was like, oh, this is a great song. And who is this kid? This kid, he's going places. That's what I said yeah. at the time. He's a talking heads fanatic. Nice yeah, job. Matt Jaffe, yeah. um, all right. Well, good work by both of you. Fascinating choices. I did not choose Born in the USA. I did not choose uh, Purple Rain. I did not choose like a virgin and 14 year old Tim Plain is going to be very disappointed in me that I did not choose the go-go's talk show, um, which has one, at least one fantastic song on it. The song head over heels is so good. And turn to you. I a, think it's a great song with a young Rob all. Lowe in the video. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Head over no, heels. I, is a fantastic, fantastic song from talk I, show. I have, uh, I have aged. And now a, an album I'm much more likely to put on over the Go-Go's is Sade's Diamond Life. Oh, Timmy, yes. I mean, yes. I love Sade. And it's like the older I get, the more I love Sade. And um, Jeff Simons, if you could just play a little bit for me of, gosh, such a hard call. Um, let's go with Hang On To Your Love. Diamond Life by Chardet. Day, where do we fall? I have two immediate thoughts. Go. My first thought is this is what's playing in every bar James Bond walks into. Like it's just this sound. Like this is the sound of like him playing baccarat. You know what I mean? <laughs> in Zanzibar. <laughs> okay. Whatever that is. My second is Childish Gambino hosted SNL last year and he did a fake 80s music video where he was like breaking up with his girlfriend and because she cheated on him, so he shoved all her jewelry up his ass. And this is exactly what the backing track of that skit sounds like. Like, oh, yeah, girl, I followed you and all your jewelry is right up my ass. <laughs> so I had that, had that in my head. 
What is wrong with you? That is not. I prefer my favorite Chardonnay song is the sweetest taboo because it has all that crazy um, uh, percussion in the background. I just love that song. But there's, uh, I, I mean, smooth operators on this record too. And yeah, smooth yeah. operators like. That's the coast to coast and yeah. The I can't believe you didn't choose that one. What about uh, your love is king? That one's a banger too. Yeah. yeah. This one make and Jeff may disagree. This one makes me super happy, Timmy. I'm, I'm yeah. I just don't. You know I what? I would not I choose don't... this. Like it's not a strong. It's not a. It's not a wall to wall banger record. I'll just be frank. I have actually. I like Shade, so I've gone back and listened to it. Um, and there are not nine good songs on this record. That being said. The good songs are amazing. And I'm just going to go ahead and be frank. Just a little something for the ladies out there. <laughs> Tim Plain is a sexy motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> I said it. He's slinky. He's slinky. He likes to keep it on the down low with no the question. slow beat. He gets in the groove, ladies. You know what I'm saying? Well, that is all there's no we have re- time for. Yeah, there's a minute no, 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 he's no. Literally, his favorite album is by the Minutemen. And he's like, these songs are a minute long and real fast. Well, I'm just going to say, Tim Plain is a sexy motherfucker. He likes, all say. of these songs are five minute long. That's Tim's jam. 50 years of music with 50 wait, old wait, wait, white wait. guys. Ben is so right. There is no record in your record collection that more telegraphs to your loved one what you have in mind than putting Chardet on. There's no moment when you put Chardet on and you're going to do the dishes. Or like you need to talk, you need to balance the checkbook. Like you, if you hear Chardet come out of someone's phone, the it is an invitation. It is like, oh, so kids are asleep. So, uh, you know, I folded all the laundry. It is unquestionably the signal record in your iPod, all beginning, right. middle, and end. I'll tell you what, yes. it is. It is three thirty in the afternoon on a Sunday. I'm gonna go upstairs from the basement. And ask Alexa to play Sade, and I'll just start doing the dishes, and we're gonna see what you happens. You better How's have that? you better have a large pizza to send the kids outside to eat if you're gonna do that, because it is gonna be on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> I was so disturbed when you said you better have a large pizza because I wasn't sure what role that would play in your world. All right, that's gotta go. Minute, that's that's what happens post Minutemen in my house. <laughs> By the way, breeders, listeners, friends, Romans, countrymen. If you can hear a really discernible difference between the clip I played from the Flat Earth and the clip we played from This Must Be the Place besides Ben's decision that the songs are different, then I'm, I'm all, I will acquiesce. But man, did those songs sound eerily similar to me for about 25 seconds. I just want to point out. There, it is a keyboard heavy thing. That's fair. Okay. All right. Um, Wait, hold on, hold on. Oh, what? Well, Oh, uh, stainless by the game, featuring Anderson Pack, Timmy. Okay. Oh the yeah. Chorus is two a.m. riding along, listening to a Sade song. You're just gonna really dig it, and it's got that whole Sade groove. You'll be into it. All right. It's actually really good. I forgot about that. All right, that's uh, I will check it out. Hey, uh, we haven't done homework in a while, so I'm gonna give you a quick homework assignment because uh, Nina's oh, because, come- but- Nina and I just have me. endless free time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, there's that, but also Nina's coming after me. So to spice it up, the host is giving you homework. We did guitarist, we did bassist, we did best drummer, we did all that in the first season. We never got to best lyricist. So I mm-hmm. want your top three favorite all-time lyricists for our next podcast, 1985. 
Got it. That one. That's good. Yeah, All Billy right. Joel, Neil Diamond, and I'll think about the third one. <laughs> the Eagles. All right. I will talk to you later. That was fun, friends. Well done. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Electric acid.